All right, real quick, people, before we get into today's show, we've just released a new course, Periodization for Periods, all around how to train women around their monthly cycle, and we've got it on special. If you're interested, click the link in the show notes. You are now listening to the Fitness Education Online Podcast, the podcast where fitness professionals go to grow their fitness business. If you're in the fitness industry, you'll find tips and strategies from proven business experts. Now, let's start the show. G'day guys, Travis here from Fitness Education Online and welcome to the Fitness Education Online podcast. Super excited for my guest today. Uh, as you've been listening in over the last couple of weeks with the podcast series, we've had a, a few different people coming uh, speaking from the you know working with special needs sector and this is someone who got recommended to us uh, from the group in the states so super excited to chat to michael from the functional adaptive movement group over in new zealand so thank you very much for joining me today michael thank you for for blocking off a bit of time on your schedule and and yeah having a chat with us kia thank you appreciate it it's always great to have the guys uh, you guys from over in new zealand we we've uh, we've been over there a bunch for for fitx and fitx light and all of those things, and we're sort of excited if, as we look into, I suppose, the um, the current new climate of the travel bubble that's due to yeah. open. And uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe we'll be we'll be visiting New Zealand and, and going back and forth, uh, hopefully sooner than than later. And then later, it stays yeah, open, and the world is slowly slowly getting back to a, a bit of normality. Yeah, true. All right, first thing, mate, I'd love to hear just a little bit about yourself and your background. You know, like what's your experience and and where have you come from when it comes to fitness or life? Wow. Um, The big one to start with. Yeah, it's a huge one, man. You didn't realize you're talking to an old guy, so there's a long road road and my moccasins are worn out. Um, I'll do a Reader's Digest version. Um, Kind of got into this game uh, post-serving in the military uh, in SA, uh, corporate world um, for 20 plus years uh, and in, in the end working with some big IT companies, Dell, Oracle, etc. Um, finally, didn't realize it at the time, but kind of wanted to do an OE, an overseas experience thing and um, uh, ended up in New Zealand in 2009. Um, so just a quick loop back. So we'll do a little bit of a... a um, Back to the future here. Uh, did my SA South Africa? I assume. Yeah, South Africa. Yeah, sorry, not South Australia. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, did my um, PT uh, diploma, etc., back in '94 when all white South African males were going to lose their jobs, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And uh, it was at the time when Bill Phillips' uh, Body for Life program came out, and I was kind of like intrigued with this whole thing, and I got sucked into it. Um, and I was at that stage. Uh, kind of going like, wow, this is a, a, a big thing. But being a PT back in those days was kind of for the real elite and you kind of had to really have a name for yourself. So I didn't really get into it. And I just started in the IT industry and kind of the money from IT versus the money from PTing was like, it was like a no brainer. And coming up to Y2000 when all computers were going to implode, it was shooting fish in a barrel. Um, 1995 was a game changer. Um, uh, we had a daughter um, that was born with a disability. Uh, she was born with cerebral palsy and kind of the world went upside down a little bit. And 
little did I know besides all the effort that I'd put into what therapies my wife and I uh, at the time, uh, what therapies we were going to do to help her recover or, or get better um, as best as we could um, kind of, one of the things that we did was, hey, we're going to start martial arts. So I started jiu-jitsu, traditional jiu-jitsu. And um, I fell in love with Japanese it. Jiu-jitsu, Japanese jiu-jitsu. Japanese jiu-jitsu, yeah. The old samurai stuff and, and a little bit of um, extra. I, and I did really well. And I fell in love with it more than my daughter did. <laughs> and um, ended up representing South Africa and fighting internationally. So kind of think I did okay. The face is all right, sort of. Uh, The nose nose still looks pretty straight. Thank you. But um, did some training um, kind of based off that 94 training slash everything else. And little did I realize that kind of the training that I was doing was CrossFit based um, Mm. to keep myself fit, to keep the gang fit, et cetera. Um, Jump forward to 2011, I decided to do my first CrossFit class. And like, wow, did I get my ass handed over to me? I'll never forget walking into the session saying to the coach, well, hey, I want to beat this guy called Rich Fronin. And um, <laughs> that, that would have been, so CrossFit would have been pretty fresh 2000, like 2010. To, oh, like, when were the first games? Yeah, they've been going for a couple of years already. Yeah. Um, and, um, you, you know, it's just a jump. And then suddenly I sucked the Kool-Aid, right? So I, I was doing all my courses, getting certified and this, that, and the next thing. And when I moved to New Zealand in 2009, it was the really the kind of the crux of the, the financial pop and the bubble. And 2011, um, I sort of exited the industry of IT and, and training and learning and development because there wasn't any more jobs and I got, I got annexed. So kind of from two or $300 an hour down to 20 bucks an hour, suddenly traveling around Auckland, going from community center to community center, trying to train mums and dads and, and, and children was what my life became. Um, wasn't long after that, I, I ended up at Les Mills. Um, wonderful experience uh, at the head office in, in the city center. And being who I am quickly got into management, got into running the CrossFit facility and uh, CrossFit HPU. So huge kudos goes to those formative years of where I've got to today. And that was um, starting a CrossFit kids class. And uh, I, I have to do this. I always do this as I give credit to the lady that sowed the seed and her name is Jordan Roos. And um, she's going to love this. Uh, she was sitting on the toilet at Les Mills and there was a, ba- a poster at the back of um, one of the doors that said, hey, come and do the CrossFit Kids class. She phoned me up and said, I've got some kids from Sunny Dean Special Needs School. Would you mind working with them? And I said, yeah, well, they can just join the normal class. And she said, no, they can't. <laughs> it's a little bit different. Needless to say, it was my first foray into full-on training and working in the industry that I am in today, and that is working with people that are differently abled. So we started back then with 15 athletes in 2012, and um, we've now grown our program. Um, It's morphed in a number of ways as I've gained experience, as I've learned and studied and and, and grown. We're now sitting at around 280 athletes a week that we work with um, across New Zealand. and funny enough, uh, thanks to COVID, pivoted into Europe. So we're training folks in, in the UK. And this morning, potentially, potentially have signed up another class in the UK. So um, it's been a huge progression to go from 15 
differently abled kids with intellectual disabilities to where we are today, which is our youngest athlete is five years old. Our oldest athlete is currently 69 years old. Um, and it's a range of intellectual and physical disabilities. So massive learning curve. It's like one of those cliff face moments, you know, but um, would I go back to IT? No. Um, do I CrossFit today? No. Um, <laughs> but I love what I do. And I, and, and the business that we've created is um, I believe still in its fledgling stages. I think there's still a huge gap in every single country, including even here in New Zealand um, to make an impact. And um, you know, I'm super excited to be chatting to you about um, special needs training or, or working with people that are differently abled uh, because it, Clearly, I'm passionate about it. So that's the yeah. real version of where I am today. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a huge amount in that. That's like a huge uh, change from 15 through to, you know, 280 around New Zealand. Um, yeah, and then obviously international as well. So congratulations on, on getting further out there and, and everything like that. What I'd love to hear a little bit about is that first class. <laughs> how how was that first i mean everyone's first uh fitness class or you know anytime they do, do something for the first time is always challenging so i i come from a, a teacher background i'm a primary school teacher oh, and wow. we had you know so i worked for you know, I was five years full-time primary school teaching whilst you know doing fitness and stuff like that right um and at the school i worked at had a special needs unit and i oh, used cool. to go in there and work with them only it was only like an hour a week on like release time you know so i'd go in there for an hour or like you know 90 minutes a week and the people who uh, who do that full time are, you know, God sense, and they're, they're they are definitely they deserve to be praised, and they deserve a thousand times more than what they're getting. Um, and for me, it was you know eye opening. We we only had eight kids in the class, or it's like six kids in the class, and it's just everyone is at such different levels. There's no, you know, there's there's not like, hey, well, this child is on the spectrum. And that child then is the same as this child who's also on the spectrum who's the same as this child who's on the spectrum. They were just so dramatically different with communication and abilities. And and then, like, as a teacher who had zero experience with special needs or, you know, different abilities, I really relied on the, uh, the aids in the class. Yeah. But I'd love to hear running a fitness class, how did that go? Let's take a quick break. When it comes to influencer marketing, there's a podcast that covers it all that you will want to add to your playlist. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. They talk about influencer marketing, social media, the creator economy, social commerce, and much, much more. They cover all aspects, including the creator economy, social commerce, the latest trends, the metaverse, TikTok trends, and that's just the beginning. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. Add the podcast to your playlist right now. Man, I don't know what your podcast is like, but I shat myself. I seriously shat <laughs> myself. <laughs> um, it was nerve-wracking. I had a, 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 a very dear friend with me. Um, she was working alongside me, and we kind of, the way we did it is that we got the teachers in first. We hadn't met the kids. We got the teachers in first and the teacher aides, and we said, hey, this is what we're thinking. We don't know what we're going to deal with. But this is what we're thinking. And, um, and they said, like, yeah, man, this is going to be great. And these kids rocked up, two vans. They rocked up at the gym. Um, this is at Les Mills, so we kind of blocked off 
uh, able-bodied parking. We had signs put out like we're going to this this new class, and it was greatly supported by um, the CrossFit uh, owner Mark Michaels at the time, and and, and the gym. Uh, Les so, Mills. sorry. So Les Mills, Les Mills owned like a CrossFit. Oh uh, no, there was within. members within the gym that had a CrossFit facility, and there was kind of like this co-space that they had at the right. day. Um, they subsequently got rid of that, and they've created their own um, uh, group fitness programs to to counter CrossFit. Um, yeah. uh, uh, grit, I think it's called grit. Um, anyway, uh, and, and these kids rocked up, and oh my god, I was out of my depth. I was like, holy moly! And and it was kind of my first foray into intellectual disabilities. I was kind of familiar with my daughter. Um, I don't have her with me here in New Zealand. She's still in SA, but um, the intellectual disability sector was brand new. This was like baptism by fire on the day. Um, so dealing with behavioral stuff and a sensory overload and these kids were like buzzing because that's a new, new environment for the kids as well. Is, right. like, for normal yeah. kids, that's a tough one. <laughs> <laughs> and um, anyway, uh, we kind of like very quickly had to learn. So it's kind of having changed in eight years. I still have classes today where even even the coaches that I have working with me, we're still learning on the fly because like you said, um, on the day, depending where, and I'm a big follower of the moon, so where the moon is, what's happening on the day, uh, what's happened at home, we don't know. We, you know, there's a whole myriad of things that come into play that affect um, these athletes. And uh, i never forget Sarah Lee and I were like, we looked like, looked like stunned rabbits in, in a headlight and it went off like a treat and suddenly it grew. Then there were two classes, then three classes and then four and then it just grew and grew. And eventually it was kind of getting to the point where Les Mills said to us like uh, at 160 um, athletes per week, guys, like you're taking away our car park. Um, <laughs> there's all these vans in and out. The members are getting upset. And it was kind of a, a natural progression because it was the, they were revamping the facility and it was like, okay, we're going to shut the CrossFit place down. The functional space was going. And it was um, three years ago, four years ago now, three three years ago now that we I finally decided, I said like, okay, I'm going to leave. I'm leaving Les Mills. I'm leaving the whole facility. Said to the said to my manager at the time, like, hey, do you want the program? And he said, no, 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 this is yours. Take it and go. And... Um, Literally, we've gone uh, from 160 or, yeah, it was about 160 per week uh, at Les Mills, and we're now growing to just under 280-odd um, per week at the moment. So um, it was a learning progression of the latest and the greatest. And we flew out some of the folk from the U.S. to come and do a seminar um, five years ago, six years ago, um, from Crossroads Adaptive Athletic Alliance. Um, so Max Conserver and Sarah Olson and Professor Clue, Amanda Clue came out. And it was kind of the biggest thing was that there is no training. Uh, so our preamble pre, pre the podcast was there's kind of no real training around how do you get the skill set to work with these folks. So there's, there's some real powerful people that have specialized in a certain disability. Um, Eric Chesson, one of them, he's um, autism fitness. Um, he's a guru in that. And um, there's all these wonderful folk, but there was no learning. So it was kind of, as it progressed, um, was how am I going to keep myself abreast of what's going on? 
because word of mouth gets around and then somebody's phoning you up and saying, hey, I have this kid who's got this rare syndrome that I've never even heard of. And I'm going like, oh, okay, well, <laughs> is it intellectual? Is it physical? Right. Well, then I kind of know where I'm going to go. And then we start to build on that. And then generally get the, get the guys and all the girls in and we have a quick assessment, see where they're at because from that I can then go, hey, this is the class for you or I suggest one-on-one uh, -on -one sessions and then take it from there. Um, so it's been, a, it's been an interesting journey and I can't say it's over because there's still something new every single day. Yeah. Every yeah, single I day. It always is. Yeah. So well, let's talk about the, the physical classes. You, do you have... You know, like are there, you know, have you got five different options? You know, like for lack of a better term, you've got your body pump and your mind, you know, like your, have you got these different options, you know, um, for your classes or are they all pretty similar? Is it CrossFit no. style? How do they look? Um, yeah, great question. So um, the classes all kind of work around a model of um, a warm-up, um, a strength piece, a conditioning piece, and then we go into a, um, a warm-down kind of, kind of thing that's the structure of the class loosely based around what the capabilities of the athletes are that becomes the separation the separation is intellectual versus cognitive slash physical doesn't matter whether they're acquired or congenital um, so we have developed over time for our intellectual folk the understanding that giving task-based workouts i.e. achieve a certain number of reps versus a certain number of rounds, et cetera, doesn't work. So it's very much a time-based uh, kind of workout. So when we're talking about folk that are living with autism, um, for example, the warm-up every single week is pretty much the same for the all 52 weeks of the year. Why? I want to just connect as much anxiety of arriving at the facility which hopefully they become familiar with or let's assume an athlete's arriving for the first time disconnecting the anxiety of coming to a facility and then what we do is we say right okay cool when they get there we've defused some of that anxiety then we go into what they're familiar with and they understand the structure we don't mess with that what we do though is we slowly build over the year a um, strength and conditioning piece that the guys get. So um, that specific program intellectually um, focused is uh, we have four animals. So we have wolf block, dolphin block, lion block, and elephant block, obviously playing on our word of fam and family. Um, and uh, it's kind of like the wolves are coming out of the den, they're jumping around. So we, the basics of the movements they're going to experience over the course of the year. Then we go into dolphin, which is a little bit more gymnastically biased. Uh, lion block, we start to get a little bit chunkier with some weights um, and, and using a little bit more resistance. And then at the end of the year, obviously, elephant block is like the big beasts come out. So we start to introduce them. Some of the lucky ones get to get to play on a, on a barbell, for example. But, but moderate loading a game within a session seriously adapted to who's in that class, you know, because you might have somebody that has multiple disabilities. So you could have somebody who's living with cerebral palsy and autism. So, or in a wheelchair or in a power chair or has no grip strength. So it's, it's scalable right the way down to that person, which is fantastic to the human being. Then we have our um, more cognitive folk, uh, um, which is kind of, I suppose, loosely based around some of the CrossFit model, um, which is, uh, you know, 
a, a dynamic warm-up with some um, really good stretching, myofascial release, and then we're going into a, a like we're going to work on the clean today or focus on um, a deadlift or something to that, and then um, into a conditioning piece. Um, I suppose the comeback which has set us up that's slightly different is that we've taken one of those attributes that they taught us in the CrossFit um, level one is the 10 attributes of fitness, which is the four physical and the four neurological, and then the, you know, the um, power and time. So the neurological skill set is the massive one for us, which is balance, coordination, accuracy, and agility. Most folk living with disabilities kind of battle in that area. That's our core focus. I don't give a damn really around how many reps, how much weight you do. It's really around posture. It's about um, functional movement that's going to serve you in the real world. Do I do snatches? Hardly ever, because there's no real point for these athletes to extend over their head because most of them will battle neurologically or physically to extend that, 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 that frame. Whereas, um, if I teach them that, let's say, for example, sitting in a wheelchair, get your back off the chair, feet on the ground. Now let's try and work. That's a more practical thing, bending down, picking up a weight. Oh, well, hey, you've got children. You can still have children. You can pick your child up. So kind of... Um, or anything, going to the shops or... Yeah, 100%, mate, 100%. And it's kind of, that's the program. Um, and I drive that home with all of my coaches. It's like, let's build confidence let's build inclusion let's build social awareness let's build posture let's build form oh by the way we're doing this thing called exercise on the mm. side to achieve those things Love it. um so those are kind of a rough overview of how we've structured our, our programming um and it's to the point that if we get a coach or somebody who comes on board and says hey we would love to run your program in xyz country that it's simple enough for them to just to run it, right? Um, so the, our biggest learning that we're busy embarking on now is videoing and creating this, this ginormous spreadsheet, which is this is the squat and here's its progressions all the way down mm. to somebody in a wheelchair. They're not going to squat necessarily, but what's the adaptation for what's that? The, yeah, what's the yeah, variation? So that's our next mission. So we're kind of working yeah, on wow, that. Wow, that's a big mission. <laughs> <laughs> With that in mind, like I mentioned, with my teaching background, when, when I went into work with the special needs unit, like I said, there was only eight, there was eight kids a class, max, right? What's your class size? Is that different for the intellectual and the physical? Like, a, what are your class numbers typically? Uh, no, so, you know, you, I suppose we all learn over time that um, we're not doing the Les Mills model. I don't have hundreds of people or thousands of people in our classes. So we kept it at around about 15. Um, and that's, that's kind of where the maximum is. And the reason for that is sometimes a school will come and they're going to bring three vans and the class wants to train with their friends. So they, they all want to train together. So I think at the most we've ever had is probably 18, but then it becomes a mission for the coach to manage that class, especially yeah. if you've got power chair users, um, intellectual and physical which we do have we have now and again we have some of that from a school-based program um uh from our adult cognitive we have a class called the weedies class which is kind of spina bifida cerebral palsy spinal cord injuries stroke survivors etc etc um where the guys and girls are able to kind of figure stuff out for themselves they'll generally work together or support each other 
but from an intellectual disability side of things, um, we try and keep it around about 15 because then coach can manage the class. Yeah. And I suppose the dot, dot, dot there is, well, how does a coach manage 15 people is our business is reliant on volunteers. Okay. Um, and those volunteers we generally get from our universities. So network with a whole bunch of universities across the applied health sciences. So physios, nurses, OTs, occupational therapists, and sport rec um, students. Um, most of them have to do placements. They have to have work experience. They have to have a, a dive into, and I literally beg, borrow, and steal students to come on board. Mm. Um, two reasons. They get exposure to a demographic that is sorely and under underratedly um, supported in our community. And secondly, is that some of them actually do project work. So we score in the back end that they get to apply some of their learning and help us with project work. That could be setting a baseline assessment, creating um, new movements. There's all sorts of wonderful projects that have happened out of this. And um, so uh, literally just 30 minutes ago, I was interviewing another five sport rec students from AUT, um, gauging their appetite to working with these people. So you've had that experience and I kind of have learned over the years and I've had probably 500 students come through the program in the time that I've been running as to say, this is not for the faint hearted. Working with these people is going to get you physically, spiritually and emotionally. You are going to come away so enriched and enlightened and, and, and have a new perspective of life, but I need you to be aware of this. And if you don't think you're cut from this stuff because special people get to work with special people, then I don't want you to come and volunteer your time here. So it's kind of like that is the magic. So when coaches running a class of 15 people, there's generally seven to eight, sometimes 10 um, almost one-on-one -on -one ratio of yeah, wow. athlete to um, student that can then help coach run the session. And that's the magic, I think, of what we've achieved um, over the time. Yeah, that, that's, um, that's quite amazing that you get, you're able to get uh, so many, so many people coming through the universities uh, to come and help and support. And that, that yeah. must be, yeah, like that, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. Great result. It's, it's kind of extra double work, right? Because you're looking after a whole bunch of students and then you've sure. also got other students so, or athletes. So, yeah, it's, it's good fun. And it, it's a reciprocal kind of relationship. It's a yin and a yang, yeah. right? And what you give to the one reciprocates and gives to the other. So it's, it's a, I think it works well. Let's take a quick break. Hey, quick question for you. Are you someone who wants to be fit, healthy, and happy? And what if I told you you could get your dream body by simply just listening to a podcast? I'm Josh. And I'm KG. And we are the hosts of the Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast. Listen, we get it. Fitness isn't easy. Carbs, no carbs. Just stop, okay? It doesn't have to be that complicated. And that's why we made this podcast. We get straight to the facts so you can become your best you. So the way to check us out is click the link in the show notes or go search Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast on any of the major podcast platforms. We'll see you soon. I mean, you've spoken about a couple of times in your timetable between um, schools and, you know, I think at the beginning you said your oldest client is 65 or, or somewhere along those lines. In regards to your timetable, is it is it predominantly, you know, you're predominantly scheduling in schools and things like that? And then, like, is there equal amount of after-hours classes or how, how's your timetable look? Yeah, it's kind of... Um... 
for most folk that are living with a disability, there's kind of a, a, a time slot that it takes them to get ready in the morning in order to get ready for the day. Um, <coughs> so the way, the way that I've set it up is I've kind of sucked, sucked it up and realized that I'm not going to have my lifestyle center that most personal trainers dream about having, right? They want a lifestyle center. Um, so I haven't done, I haven't gone that route. And what I've done is I rent a whole bunch of facilities around the country. Um, and I kind of steer a little bit towards the CrossFit kind of facility, A, because of the space and B, because they have structured classes at certain times and the rest of the time their facilities, the roller doors come down and nothing's happening in them, which is kind of dead space for those owners. And mm -hmm. I kind of, literally go on bended knee and say hey can i rent the time that you're not having classes and open up the doors and run classes so the only way for me to really scale is to run multiple classes at the same time at different venues so the way that we do it is um we don't mind uh whether it's a school or an adult session because some of these some of the the older folk are not necessarily working so they they want to train during the day and don't want to work in the afternoon so there's you know the factors of they get tired during the day because it's hard work pushing their chair around or just just living um so what we do is we rent uh currently and i've just signed up my um eighth venue uh this week in in auckland so we rent eight venues in in auckland we've got one down in in lower hut wellington and then we've got our online uh, classes. And um, what we do is we just kind of agreed with the gym owners to say, hey, in your dead time, can we rent space? Um, and then we put it out to the, to the community um, to say, hey, we've got this time slot available. Do you want to, you know, it might be a school or it might be a, um, uh, an older athlete program. And the way it works is kind of we've figured out over the years that sort of 10.30 to 12.30 is generally school time. So the schools are okay to get a couple of vans or, or buses together and, and, and come on out. Um, and then we have interdispersed between that a, a bunch of PTs. So it's obviously there's athletes that are all coming. Sorry, I refer to every one of my clients as athletes. Um, they might come and say, hey, we're looking for more of a PT kind of based thing. So I want to do the class to have the social connection and inclusion, but at the same time, I want to specialize because I'm a Paralympian, whatever, or I want to go down that route. And then we have more focused PT type sessions with those folk. Um, and, and then it's a, I try and drive where possible more class-based. The reason being is that social inclusion. It is so important for the people to for themselves to realize that, hey, I feel included because I'm with my mate. Um, I make a new friend. Hey, Joe over there looks similar to me um, and I can beat him. Cool. <laughs> you know, so so playing on a little bit of that CrossFit methodology um, of the whiteboard and, and rating, but without the competitiveness of it, but it's that inclusion and social acceptance and the terror stories that I hear of, hey, I phoned up City Fitness or Snap Fitness or uh what's the other one called now oh whatever les moles or whatever insert gym yeah you're kind of globo thing and then they go like hey i couldn't get around there was no one there to help me my walker my wheelchair my sticks didn't go they wouldn't allow my service dog to come in blah 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 and i'm just going like that's a crime <laughs> that's an absolute yeah. travesty so kind of saying hey come here it's safe it's good to be there it's good to be included um We've had a, recently here in New Zealand, we've had a, a big organization um, 
uh, a therapeutic kind of organization closed down, unfortunately, and it was horrific. And I had a couple of people hit me up about, hey, can we come and work with us? And I had a aha moment that there is what we do is good and there's a huge market for it, but not everybody likes what we do, you know? So there's a number of folk that kind of want the softer cable based isolated kind of training style. Well, we don't do that. We kind of work with dumbbells and kettlebells and we have a bit of fun and we laugh and take the jib with each other. So it's not for everybody, but it is for the majority. Um, so there's all those. And, it, and I suppose part of our work is connecting and working with therapists. So we're very much open to the idea of working with um, orthopedic surgeons and specialists and physios and physio organizations, making sure that um, the athletes are not getting more injured, but at the same time, they're moving maybe post-injury or post-accident um, into, hey, I want to now kind of live life more more independently and, and whatnot. So we kind of are very open to mutual handshaking um, at the same time as... Um, well, as, as it were now, neutral like elbow bumps or something, right? <laughs> 100%, yeah. <laughs> with, with that, sort of leading down the path of what my next question was going to be, was going to be like the resources. Like you, you've mentioned, you mentioned a few names and I'm going to have to get all these names and all these resources off you at the end and we'll put them yeah. in the notes and stuff like that. But sure. And you and you said you relied uh, on like the aid, like the aids or the the, the the carers and stuff like that. But wh- where else are you going for resources or you know like? Are there any places you could point to for any trainer listening? Hey, like try like you know try the surgeons or try the therapists or try the you know where where are the sort of areas you can lean on? Yeah, I think I think somebody who is. Um saying, hey, I want to become a trainer working with special needs, kind of like you've got to put a lot of time and spend a lot of money doing courses, signing up to various organizations to get their knowledge. What we have done in FAM is um, I've always had the vision of to make it inclusive. I don't care what the disability is, which has put me in a bit of a precarious position because I need to be a specialist in everything. So that's a big ask a lot of other organizations specialize in only one thing. So kind of what I've done is I've gone and followed. um, So from a trainer's perspective, I've gone and followed and engaged with organizations or people that are specialists in certain fields. So like the go-to person right now with cerebral palsy is this wonderful woman in Australia called uh, Professor Iona Novak. Um, She's the go-to person, right? Prior to her. Is that, is that, Sorry to interrupt. Is that with the fitness people's perspective or is that cerebral palsy in general? Just in general. So I've kind of gone the medical route to find the the, the kind of the, the, um, the forerunners in their specific fields because I have clients with those conditions. Mm -hmm. Then I've gone down the route of, okay, so where do I get training in order to improve? Because for me as a trainer, I need to keep learning because I like couple of months ago I got hit with another condition that I've never heard of in my life and I'm like oh god what I want to know you know we've got to learn a new new thing um but it comes it boils down to the basics of physical versus intellectual or the combination of the two and there's kind of some general threads that follow um and it's taken me a long time to finally stumble across Alec and the team from ATA so a huge shout out to them 
wonderful course. I'd recommend that any PT wannabe that wants to go down working with special needs, do the ATA course, like find a way of doing it, do it online or whatever it is that you got to do. A second up to that is through the Ready State, that's Kelly Starrett. Um, they have a program um, that was set up by Max Conserva and Dr. Teresa Larson. We had Max come out to um, New Zealand back in the day. So huge shout out to there. That's kind of where I got a lot of stuff. Um, but in general, it's kind of like, what is it that you're going to do? What are you going to focus on? Are you going to specialize in Down syndrome or are you going to be fully inclusive? Because as soon as you get your name out there, people are going to go, well, hey, I've got somebody who's slightly different, but I think mm. they would value from that. So I kind of my advice would be do everything. But on the flip side, if that's nerve wracking for you, then then specialize. Um the other resource is as a personal trainer or as a coach is like, don't snub the professionals, like seriously hook up with physios, hook up with occupational therapists, biokinetists, whatever it is. Um, we all form an integral part in a cog system that enables these people to live more independent lives. And as soon as we, we change the perspective from I'm a coach, I'm a PT, I'm here to do strength and conditioning to I'm an enabler to help them live a better life that changes the perspective a heap. And with, if you acknowledge where certain therapists are, hey, they'll engage with you. You know, So if, if, if you're not being a dick about it and trying to be all egotistical, well, then you're going to succeed. Yeah. But um, to be honest, Travis, I'm still learning every single day. Like every day I'm Googling something, I'm reading newsletters, I'm reading input that's going to say, hey, something different. I share that knowledge that I have uh, those those articles, those um, videos, whatever they may be, with all of my coaches, because I I don't want to be the guy. So my philosophy is, I want every single one of my athletes to have the same knowledge that I do, so that they go can go to any facility around the world and go, you know what, bro, I, I've got this. I can go into a gym and I can get myself trained up. Thank you very much. Can I just have that? Can you just pass me this, and then I'm free to go. And that's my my mission is to say being a coach or a PT doesn't mean that you're kind of God status. No, you're just an enabler. You're a passer on of knowledge that these people can be empowered to live more independent lives. And hopefully that the connection is not only what happens in the gym happens in real life. Like you alluded to earlier, going to the shop, you know, just pressing down on the side of my wheelchair with one arm allows me to reach up an extra couple of centimeters that I independently can grab the can of dust tomatoes or whatever it is that you're getting without it falling all over the yourself you know so it's kind of knowledge is good to learn but it's also good to impart and it's um I, and this is the thing that I, I was kind of alluding to pre our call was there is no one place that does the manifesting all benowing knowledge implants across you know if, if the matrix was real <laughs> i'd be signing up to every single thing that i could learn. <laughs> but, um, yeah hundreds so it's sharing the knowledge and sharing the love and the more that we can touch uh folk that are living differently abled lives to either empower their lives or empower their sport hey great you know share the love man just just get it out there and but at the same time being a personal trainer or a coach be prepared to be learning all the time mm. and i think the biggest resource is actually from my athletes um 
Mm-hmm. I might I might actually go and say, hey, this is what an able body would do for a squat. And I demonstrate the squat. And then I'd say, right, now, how are we going to work with you? And we kind of work back from there based on what's going on. Um, and it's also respecting that some athletes don't necessarily want to do a squat. They might be in a power chair. They can stand, but they don't necessarily want to stand and not forcing them. And it's, it's kind of this, this subtle, subtle dance um, that we have to, to build up over time. Hey, wow, look at that high five. That you said confidence. to me years ago, you didn't want to squat. Look at you today. You stood out of your chair. <laughs> yeah, love it. What, you've mentioned a couple of things there about empowering and, and making changes to people's life. And, and that's what a lot of this is uh, when, when you work with people. I think it... And as any trainer, or like I said, I, I come from the trainer side and an education side. So, like, anytime you're working with other people, you're, you're making changes in their lives, whether it's helping them lose weight, whether it's helping them play with their kids, whether it's helping them reach further to get that can of tomatoes. You know, like, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what it is, right? Doesn't matter if they're differently able, fully. Able, it doesn't really matter, right? But I, I don't know if you've got any stories that come into mind of like changes in in people when they've taking part in the fitness program so like you know whether it be kids from the schools or whether it be anything like that do, do any any story spring to mind that you, you'd be willing to share or oh. you know, about just changes in attitude changes in lifestyle changes in whatever it might be wow um <laughs> i got heaps of stories how long how long you want this to be <laughs> um wow uh one springs to mind um the guy was at a party he fell off a very low fence, uh, incomplete um, uh, C break, C three and four. Um, elderly guy, so in his forties when he when the accident happened, and he came in and um, started working with us from the spinal unit. Um, holy crap! Uh, five six years ago, and it's been amazing over the time. Uh, I remember him trying his first war ball. And the palsy in his hand wouldn't kind of um, allow him to even grab the ball. And the frustration of him dropping the ball during the workouts and, you know, kind of that kind of thing. And just to push his chair was a mission. Um, Today, that guy, and I said it's an incomplete injury, that guy today is walking for 15 minutes. Um, Anything is possible. Um, I think... uh, I'm sorry. I, uh, I think um, the humility and and um, the power that we can give to. Uh, oh, sorry, Travis. That's all right. This is one thing about me that I'm a bit of an emotional guy, and I kind of love what I do. No, I mean it makes sense because but, you know, like you, you know, these change. Obviously, like I mentioned, you know, helping someone lose weight is is one thing, right? But but helping someone walk for 15 minutes who couldn't uh, who who could hold a ball or, or, or like it's, it's a different kettle of fish. Yeah, man. You know? you know, and I think it's, it's things like, um, uh, I, I trust I don't get into trouble for this, but it's like another story was like, I'm, I'm South African, right? So we kind of almost like Australians, we just deal with elephants in the room. So I often say to, I often say to my athletes, if it's an acquired injury, like what was the nature of your injury? Like what happened? And, um, one athlete said to me, um, 
uh, I jumped off a bridge and I'm like naively said, oh, like a water jump, like a bridge jump, like a bungee. I feel and like I know where this is going. Yeah. And they said to me, no, I try to commit suicide. And I was like, fuck me. I'm like, no, seriously. And it, it, it really hit me. That person today, um, just this week, was bent, uh, was push pressing over their head 15 kilograms. Um, you know, and it's kind of like the life changing stuff that some folk go through. Um, having um, one of my clients, uh, and I'm going to say his name because I know he'll be okay with it, is young Billy, 16 years old. He's living with um, cerebral palsy. He's a fantastic entrepreneur. He's running his own 3D printing business um, while I was at school doing laser cutting and everything else. And he came the other week and said to me, Mike, I just want to thank you that I can now walk up and down the stairs without holding onto the ballast, onto the rails. And I'm like, wow, dude, you know, like massive. He's never going to walk proper. He's probably never going to run. But the guys, the guy, I get it. I employ him every year to print me prizes for my athlete of the of each class we have a fam of the fam awards at, at the end of the year and he prints my prizes for the athlete that wins that specific class it. yeah. and it, sometimes it's small sometimes it's massive but at the end of the day it's um i had this philosophy in life but that those small things massive are often massive massive yeah right and i had this philosophy that if you're alive i don't care if you're in an awake coma um, or locked in syndrome, but you're alive, there's hope. And we have a thing in our program where we often an athlete will say, I can't. And I always say, ah, ah, ah. There's another word that comes after that. And the word is yet. We just got to keep trying till we get to that yet. And when the yet happens, it becomes a yahoo because woohoo, <laughs> you did it, right? And um, it's, it's kind of living the belief and instilling the confidence to get those magic moments. And um, the reason I, I shed a tear was you just made me relive a whole bunch of moments. So, yeah. <laughs> so thank you. Makes yeah. me realize what we do. Yeah, it's, um, it's an important message. Uh, so as we sign off today, people want to reach out. People want to get in touch. What, what will be the best ways for them? Um, so I've kind of done the whole anti-Zuckerberg thing and I've actually resigned myself off Facebook and WhatsApp but if the guys want to reach me hit me up from my website or um, functionaladaptivemovement.com um, my email address info at functionalmovement.com sorry it's the longest email address in the world but um, we, we might challenge you for that one <laughs> um, and then um, yeah we're still on Instagram so if guys want to kind of people want to see a little bit of the work that we do um, check us out there um but hey, uh, you know, there's wonderful people all around the world. There's facilities all around the world. There are trainers around the world that are doing what I do. And it's not about me. It's about us. And it's a collective of people that are trying to work with the differently abled communities within each country. Just seek them out. And if need be, hit us up and we will put you in touch because we've got a network like this. Yeah. I, I feel like sometimes we're on Avatar with a wonderful tree, right? So it's all connected. We can help you find the people that will support you. All right, mate. Uh, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, we look forward to, to hearing from you and speaking to you in the future, though. Thank you, Travis. Wonderful time, thank, man. Thank Peace you very out. much. You're welcome. Thank you for listening. If you liked this show, share it with your friends, subscribe on iTunes, and leave us a five-star review. 
For show notes and free training on how to grow your fitness business, visit www.fitnesseducationonline.com.au. Are you a fitness professional looking to provide your clients with personalized meal plans? Well, check out Mealsy, the ultimate solution for creating custom meal plans in just a few simple clicks. With Mealsy, you can say goodbye to countless hours spent on meal planning. Our Australian meal planning web app is designed to save you time and effort so you can focus on what really matters, your clients and their success. Mealsy provides you with a vast library of recipes all created by nutrition professionals. From breakfast to dinner and everything in between, we've got you covered. Whether you want to create a custom meal plan tailored to your client's needs or choose from our selection of ready-made meal plans, Mealsy has the flexibility to accommodate your preferences. So why waste precious time and energy creating meal plans from scratch? Let Mealsy do the heavy lifting for you while you focus on delivering exceptional fitness services. Join the community of fitness professionals who have revolutionized their business with Mealsy. Visit our website at www.mealsy.com and sign up today. Mealsy, the smarter way to meal plan for fitness professionals.